Hi there, Rachel here. If you're listening to this episode in May of 2024, I have some big news. After selling out during the holiday season, my Flex of Gold journal is available for pre-order right now and will be shipping to your home by the end of June. To celebrate, we're running an amazing pre-order sale for Mother's Day. Purchase the journal before May 13th and you'll get $10 off every journal. This is our best price of the year, even better than Black Friday, so it's the perfect time to stock up for gifts for family and friends. This three-year journal helps mothers to notice, savor, and write down the fleeting golden moments that they experience with their children each day. So go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to reserve your copy, and you'll also see our brand new cover colors, as well as our new cover option, which is a wipeable vegan leather. So again, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to pre-order your journal, and from now until Mother's Day 2024, they'll be marked down by $10 each. I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Fabric. It's time, parents. Time to finally cross off one of the most important things on your to-do list, life insurance. Fabric makes getting a great term life insurance policy for your family quick, easy, and surprisingly affordable. Fabric's new lower prices mean significant savings over other providers with great policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. With Fabric's online hub, it's quick and easy to track your family finances all in one place. Get fast, affordable life insurance, create a will for your family, set up your kid's college savings plan, and even establish a rainy day savings fund. Planning for the future has never been easier. Protect your family with term life insurance now in just 10 minutes. Apply today at meetfabric.com slash 3in30. That's meetfabric.com slash 3in30 to start protecting your family today. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash 3in30. Fabric insurance agency policies issued by Vantis Life, not available in New York and Montana, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. As we're heading into May, are you starting to think about what activities and bucket list items you want to do with your children this summer? I know I am, and we are going to have a series of episodes over the coming weeks that I hope will help you with that. The topic for today's episode is one that you might not automatically think of as a summer topic, how to help your children love reading. But truthfully, summer is an ideal time to take the pressure off of reading and just make it fun for your kids. And you'll get so many tips for how to do that in today's Encore episode, which originally aired in summer of 2020. Our guest is Jansen Bradshaw, who's a former elementary school librarian with a master's degree in library and information studies. She now stays home with her four daughters and runs the blog Everyday Reading, which helps parents make reading an enjoyable, simple part of their family. I wanted to let you know that since Jansen and I originally recorded this conversation two years ago, she and her husband have started an amazing company called Savvy Reading that provides online reading instruction for children pre-K through sixth grade. My daughter Sally has been participating in Savvy for the past year, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. 
Sally was significantly below grade level at the end of last school year with her reading, I think mostly due to distance learning through kindergarten and first grade with major gaps in her reading instruction. So we signed her up for Savvy at the beginning of last summer, and she has loved it. She attends a 25-minute online class with a live teacher Monday through Thursday, so four days a week she's working with a live teacher on her reading. They use games and stories to build reading skills, and as a former high school English teacher, I can tell you that the curriculum is so well done, with incredibly effective teaching pedagogy woven in, and it's so fun for kids. Sally's reading has soared this year, and she is now reading above her grade level, and most importantly, feeling so excited and confident about reading. I cannot recommend Savvy Reading highly enough as a summer activity for your kids, especially because many children slide backward in their reading abilities over the summer break. So this is a summer activity that I definitely think is worth prioritizing. You can get $25 off per month for the life of the subscription with my affiliate code 3in30, which I will link in the show notes. And today in this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Jansen so you can get to know the amazing mom who developed Savvy Reading and who's passionate about making reading fun for families. So with no further ado, here's our conversation about how to help your children love reading by making it fun for you as a parent to do it with them. Here we go. Jansen, welcome to 3 and 30. I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. We are going to talk today about how to make reading with our kids more fun and less stressful. And I guess I just wanted to start by having a little bit of context for why does reading with our kids even matter as far as like, why should we learn this skill and this strategy to get better at it with our kids? That is such a good place to start that I think often we skip right over. So you've probably heard or read hundreds of studies that talk about, you know, how important reading to your child is from the time they're young and how it helps them academically and emotionally and, you know, creating strong bonds with their parents. So there's just all these benefits that come with reading to your kids. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of reasons that I personally think that parents reading to their kids are really important. One, you have the ability as a parent to make positive associations with reading from the very beginning Mm -hmm. for your child. I mean, reading, as you know, as a teacher, as a parent, is so fundamental to education in general. I mean, your child's whole life is going to be easier or harder depending on how easy or hard reading is for them in school because everything is Mm -hmm. so based on reading. And so if you can set way before you ever get to that kindergarten, first grade, second grade, where they're really learning the skills of reading, helping them have positive associations with reading and books, Mm -hmm. that puts them on a trajectory that's totally different than if they only see reading as hard. I mean, most of us, if you're a big reader, which I know you are, Rachel, and I am, I don't love to read because I love phonics or I love sounding out words. You know, I'm not like, oh, can't wait to open this book and sound out some words. You know, I love to read because it's interesting, because it's engaging, because it's, uh, you know, sparks my imagination, takes me to a different world, all of those things. And so my goal is always to give my kids a really solid foundation of that love of reading and that love of mm. stories and books so that when all of them have to cross that bridge of, learning the actual skill of reading themselves, 
that's hard. And that takes a lot of patience and a lot of work. And for lots of kids, that's multiple years. So I want, while they're crossing that bridge of that hard work of reading, for them to understand how fun and great reading is and Mm. that it can kind of carry them through that learning curve. Yes, I think that's so important. And it's been such a relief to me as a mom. When I hear elementary school teachers say, just keep reading to them. You don't need to do anything else other than read to them as far as like the phonics and all of that. Because I thought that I would enjoy teaching my kids to read. But the minute that I sat down and tried to do that with Noah, I really did not enjoy it because he pushed back and all of that. And his teacher said, don't even like just read to him. You want to maintain that connection with him and that love of reading together and we'll take care of the rest. And I was just so grateful for that. So I didn't feel guilt around. Am I not doing the right things with him educationally? It was just such a relief to hear. Just keep reading to him and he'll be okay. Yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes it's just really helpful I'm going to say one of those things that you hear, you know, you know, actually, but sometimes it's just helpful to hear it. Lots of kids, most kids, I actually did a survey on this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, 95% of my audience said that their kids learn better from another adult than they do from the parent. So just because you know how to read and maybe you've been taught reading. And I had lots of teachers send me messages saying like, I'm an amazing reading teacher. I can teach anyone how to read except my own children who will not <laughs> learn to read from me. Well, that really is reassuring. <laughs> I hope so. So let's just jump right in to your first takeaway. Perfect. So my first takeaway, this, I feel so strongly about this. I just have to say that before I even tell you what takeaway number one is. And that is pick books that are fun for you to read with your kids. Mm. I, I think it's easy to feel like, oh, any book is a good book. Some books are not that fun to read. My girls, when, my littlest girls, when we go to the library, they want to grab every Paw Patrol book, every Barbie book, every Strawberry Shortcake book. Blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you read those and you think, who even wrote these? These like have no plot. They're so dumb. <laughs> those are not fun for me to read to my kids. And so they know they can check out as many as, of them as they want, but I'm not going to read those to them. They can look through them on their own. They can finagle maybe my husband or uh, an older sibling to read to them. But when I read with them, I'm going to read books that are fun and interesting and engaging for me also, Mm -hmm. because it's very hard to maintain something as a parent that's really laborious or boring or horrible. Mm. I mean, it's like if you're working out, you say, let's pick something that I actually like to do. If you hate to run, it's going to be hard to push yourself out the door to go running. Right. If you find out you really love like a dance class or walking with friends or whatever that is, it's going to be much easier to sustain it. If you pick books that are really great that you're enjoying, it's going to be much easier to read with your kids. Yes. Amen to that. And there are so many really amazing options that you don't need to just default to strawberry shortcake or these other, I mean, there's, children's books that are incredibly well done, beautiful messages and their literature, even though they're little short books. And if moms just don't even know where to start with that, I think they could probably ask the librarian if they're at the public library for some suggestions. Also, do you have a resource on your blog that we could point people to for like a great book list? Yes, absolutely. So every summer, I think this was the seventh year maybe that I've done this, I put together a list of 100 picture books that... I really love. And one thing I want to say is 
everyone's taste is totally different and that's fine. I mean, just like in movies, not everyone likes an action movie. Not everybody likes a rom-com. You know, we all have our own kind of tastes and what we like. So, you know, when I recommend books on my blog and on Instagram, I have certain kinds of books that I really love. I love a, a book that's a little bit funny, really appeals to me. I like certain kinds of artwork. So, you know, you may look at what I recommend and think like, mm, her taste is very different. Like I would say actually like my mom is a huge reader, but her picture book taste is very different than mine. She likes wordier picture books. Mm. I like ones that are a little bit less text, you know, and I have friends who are big readers who are like, oh, I love a picture book with a lot of text because then I can read two or three to my kids instead of six or seven. If I'm going to read for 30 minutes, I'd rather read 10 picture books that take up 30 minutes than three picture books that take up 30 minutes. And that's just my personal preference. So, and like anything, the more you get into it, the more you'll kind of recognize, oh, I love this author. Oh, I love this illustration style. You know, so at this point, I can usually pick up a picture book and know within a page or two if it's going to be one that I like. Mm. I, I didn't know that 15 years ago because I didn't look at that many picture books. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that what you're saying here lends to the idea of finding a book mentor almost, if if you don't know where to start with it, finding somebody whose taste you really align with and kind of going with their recommendations for a while and to, as you're getting into it. Hopefully, eventually, you'll just be able to do this on your own. But finding an Instagrammer who does book lists and recommendations and seeing if your tastes kind of match up and then you can trust that. And just the idea that not everybody is for everybody, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think that that makes all the difference. And if you're having a positive experience reading with your kids, that is going to be generally a positive experience because mm. you're enjoying it. And I remember when I was maybe 10 or 11, my mom read to us every night, almost my entire growing up, even through high school. And we were reading a book called Beauty by Robin McKinley. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with it. It's yes. fantastic. Tell the listeners, <laughs> just so they know, <laughs> what what's the premise of it? So it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling mm -hmm. that is phenomenal. It's just so good. And I woke up in the middle of the night, probably like 1 or 2 a.m., and my bedroom door was open and the hall light was on and my mom was sitting in the hallway on the floor reading ahead. I mean, it was just so good that after she'd finished reading to us, she wanted to keep reading. That was obviously <laughs> a book she was really into. And actually, I read it to my girls earlier this year. And it's only like five chapters long, but every chapter is probably like 50 to 70 pages long. It's about a 200-ish page book. Maybe my math wasn't right. Mm -hmm. That was too much math for me on the fly there, but somewhere around 200 pages, but five <laughs> chapters. We read it in like six days because we were all so into it that you know, usually I would not read 50 to 60 pages at night in one go. And yes, we yes. just like couldn't stop. I like, have to read to the end of the chapter. And so that's such a fun shared experience when you're all really into it. And you're not doing anybody any favors if you're, you know, pushing through a book that you're like, I hate reading this Barney book or Paw Patrol or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, nobody wins there because you don't want to read. You'll make every excuse. I got to go clean the bathroom so that I don't have to uh, read this book aloud to you. Whereas if it's something you're really into, you're going to make time for it. Yes. And I love that story about your mom because I just feel like what we model for our kids is really powerful too. And you had no doubt that your mom loved to read and that it wasn't just something that she was kind of doing as an act. 
Yes, exactly. Not just something to check off at night. Yes. And I have a really tender memory of my mom who also loved to read and really that was important to her as something that she did with us. When I was six, my mom had a bone marrow transplant. She had breast cancer. And so she uh, was in the hospital for three months. And one of the things that she did was she recorded our favorite storybooks on cassette tapes for us. And I think that that's just such like a testament to how much she loved it, how much she knew we loved it, and that she knew how connected it made us feel. And she wanted us to still have her voice reading us those books. And that was before it was easy to do that. Like now you just pull out your phone and you do like a voice memo or something. But this was in 1990 and she like got my dad's old dictaphone and cassette tapes and recorded these stories for us. And like what a treasured memory that is. I love that. Do you still have those? I don't think we have them, which is so sad. We have some others like she recorded at that time. She recorded us a tape for our 13th birthdays because she didn't know if she would still be living. And she was still living on our 13th birthdays, but she gave the cassette tapes to us anyway. And I still have that with her voice on it. She has since passed away. She passed away when I was 19. But it's it was such a treasure. And I wish we still had those stories books, but we don't. But I have the memory that she cared about me enough to do that, which I think is really powerful. I just love that. That's so sweet. Yes. And, and I will say I teach a workshop called Declutter Your Motherhood, where I teach women to kind of eliminate their shoulds, all the things that are weighing heavily on them that they think they should be doing with their kids and to ask themselves, do I even really want to do this? Like, why do I think that I should be doing this? And my sister-in-law actually was at one of them and she sheepishly admitted out loud that one thing that she didn't like doing was reading to her kids. And she's like, is that bad? Is that, you know, and, and we brainstormed with her, like you could have your husband do it. You could get audiobooks. Like you don't need to hold yourself to this should just because, you know, other people say it's important. But what was interesting is that she then came back to me later and said, I realized that the problem was the books I was reading to them. And once I got some good recommendations of some good books, I actually really enjoy it now. And so that was the key that shifted that for her. I love that. Along those same lines, I just want to mention, I think thinking outside the box, what are other, what is my real goal here and how can I accomplish that um, in maybe a different way than I've thought about? One of my friends mentioned to me a couple of months ago, she's a huge reader on her own, but she said she has two kids and she said, I actually realized I hate to read aloud. She said, so I just pick the books I want to read with them. I buy them on Audible and then we snuggle in bed together and I Mm. scratch their back or, you know, we just listen and we just listen together and, you know, they're still getting that time with a parent. They're still listening to these amazing books and they're still like getting all the benefits of being read to. She Mm. just doesn't have to actually read aloud. And I was like, that is so smart that she figured out what's the problem here and how can I solve it in a unique, creative way. Yeah. And just embracing who she was instead of forcing herself into this box of a good mom does this. So instead saying, well, I do want them to be read to, I don't want to do it, but I want to have that time with them. So what's another solution that we could come up with? Exactly. And honestly, I mean, books like Harry Potter, I'm like, I don't want to read it aloud to him because the narration is so good that I would rather just listen to Jim Dale do it instead of reading it to him, you know? So we have fun listening to that together. Totally. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. First, this podcast is sponsored by Pear Eyewear. 
I have been wearing glasses since the sixth grade, and I actually love wearing glasses. I feel like they fit with my vibe and my style, and my face almost doesn't look right to me anymore when I don't have my glasses on. (laughs) It's true. But as a daily glasses wearer, I have often wished that glasses weren't so expensive so that I could own lots of pairs and mix up my look. I mean, I wouldn't wear the same shirt every day of my life, so why would I wear the same pair of glasses? That's why I was so excited to discover Pair Eyewear. With this innovative glasses company, you choose a base frame with options from square to round to cat eye, and then you pick top frames that snap onto your base with tiny magnets. So you can switch out those top frames anytime you want to, to mix up your look. They come in dozens of colors and patterns to match your personality. They even have sunglasses toppers, so you can just snap those sunnies onto your base frame, onto your glasses, when you're driving or running around town in the summer. It's brilliant. For my first pair of glasses from Pair Eyewear, I ordered the Wanda base frame, which is a bulkier sort of statement frame, but I got it in a classic color that will go with anything, the brown tortoise, and then I got some really fun top frames that will mix up my look when I'm feeling more adventurous, such as navy polka dot, a bright teal green, and an almond blossom print that's based on the artwork of Van Gogh. Pretty fun. And of course, I got some sunglass toppers as well, which are so incredibly convenient. Get glasses as unique as you are. One pair infinite style starting at just $60. Go to com slash 3 and 30 for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at com slash 3 and 30 This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. As a mom, I know that burnout is very real and can be especially potent in the summer months when your kids are home more and there is less schedule, later bedtimes, more sugar, and less routine. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to proactively make a plan for how you are going to protect yourself from burnout this summer. A great way to do that would be to get started with a counselor now so you have a professional who can support you through the craziness of summer with kids and work and extended family gatherings and vacations and all of it. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. 3 and 30 listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 and 30. And then what's your second takeaway? Okay, so this goes right along with the first one, which is don't be afraid to quit a book. I think that is really hard as a parent to feel like, you know, that it's okay to let your kids quit. So it feels like you're saying like, oh, I'm just going to let you be a quitter, you know, and if something's hard, we just give it up. And I think like you said about your sister-in-law, sometimes it's just not the right book. And what I never want to do for my kids is make them feel like it's very risky to start a book. So you imagine if someone said to you, Rachel, I have this great show I think you should watch, but if you watch the first five minutes of it on Netflix, you're committed to watching all eight seasons of this. You'd be like, I'm never turning on any show. That's way too risky. Like, I'm not going to commit that kind of time without knowing if I like it. And as a kid, 
you're still learning mm-hmm. what kind of things do I like? Do I like fantasy? Do I like historical fiction? Do I like action? Do I like, you know, classics or, you know, whatever that is. And so part of that involves reading some books that you're going to say, this is just not for me. And so I think as a parent, if you will, both for yourself as a reader and as your kids are becoming readers, let them know it's okay to get partway through a book and say, this just is not for me. And I'm not going to waste any more time on this. I'm going to spend the time finding a book that I like more. Mm, Yeah. And that's such a great life principle too. I mean, we want to teach our kids to stick it out, like you said, and to not be quitters, but it's also okay to teach them that they can have personal preferences and they can sort of mold their life and the way that they spend their time around their interests and that that's okay. Absolutely. And I think kind of uh, along those same lines, I get a lot of questions from parents who have kids, especially like, I would say maybe like second to sixth grade. And they say things like, you know, my child keeps starting books, but never finishes them. Mm. I, I think as a reader, Starting a new book is always hard. You know, when you read a book and you have like a book hangover and you're like, nothing is ever going to be as good as this book again. And mm. it, it's hard to start something new. And anytime you start a new book, you're getting dumped in a new location with new characters, new dialogue that you don't know anything about. And it takes a little bit to orient yourself. Mm. So I think lots of kids and probably frankly, adults to give up on a book too quickly because that first chapter is just usually not that fun, maybe even two chapters. So one of the things that I recommend a lot to parents if their child has that trouble is to read that first chapter to with them, kind of help them get oriented. You know, otherwise you feel like you just got dumped in a city you've never been to and they're like, go find the best stuff. You're like, could someone like show me around a little bit and help me get oriented before I'm left on my own? And I think as a parent, we can do that for our children by reading the first chapter or two together and kind of, okay, here's the characters, here's the main, you know, the, the basic plot. And, and now I'm going to read it. Like when you asked me about beauty, if I just say, oh, beauty by Robin McKinley is so good. You're kind of like, okay. But if I tell you a little bit about the story, here's kind of what to expect. Here's some things I really like about it. It's going to be easier for you to pick that up because you're a little bit oriented to it. Yes, for sure. And I think about, I did this when I was a high school English teacher and You may think like your high schoolers are too old to be read aloud to, but they're not. And all the research shows that it does really benefit them to be read aloud to still. But I would do that even in my classroom when we were starting a new book. I remember like the first chapter of of Mice and Men. It's this really long, long description of the setting. Yes. And that's most books, right? That first chapter is like setting it all. Yeah. And you're like, what in the world? Especially Steinbeck. Like it's just... and. I would read that first chapter aloud with them and we would talk about why would he have included this much information about the setting? There's actually a lot of symbols woven in here. We would talk about that. And then we talk about the, they introduced George and Lenny in that first chapter. So we talk a little bit about the character development and I just felt like it got them like exactly what you said. It got them oriented. They call it scaffolding in education. You're creating kind of a ladder for them to be able to approach this new book or concept. So even if you have a high schooler that has a book assigned to them for a class, but they're struggling with it, you may just consider reading those first few chapters with them and kind of talking them through it and discussing and explaining, and then they'll be able to do it on their own after that. Totally. I had a similar experience when I was an elementary school librarian at this new school and all the different grades would come in and almost all of the fourth and fifth graders 
didn't check out any books. They're like, no, I don't want anything. And I was like, hmm, this is, I, I don't feel like I'm doing my job if nobody's walking out of here with a book. Mm. So Massachusetts does a state book list every year for like third to sixth graders. So I got a copy of each one of those books. And then every week for the last like 10 minutes, I would read them the first chapter or so of one of those books. And none of those books were ever on my shelf again, the whole rest of the year, everyone wanted to check them out once they had some sort of introduction to it and kind of got past those first couple of pages. Mm. I mean, and I think as adults, it's the same thing. Those first chapters are just hard, even if you read a lot, because it's a new book every time that you could. I mean, that's why series are so popular mm. in general. And especially for kids is because once you've read the first one, you know, you don't have to be reintroduced to Harry Potter and Hogwarts and Dumbledore and the whole thing. All the characters. And yeah. Yes. You you're, you could jump right into the story and the part that's really enjoyable rather than the like trying to get that scaffolding in place. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's such a brilliant tip that I hope will help a lot of parents. So thank you for adding that. And then what's the third takeaway? So my third takeaway is let your kids move while you read. <laughs> I think a lot of the time, and you know, you mentioned at the beginning that your daughter is much more of a mover. Yes. And so it's harder for her to sit, you know, she doesn't want to sit on your lap and read like your son does. And I think so many kids are like that, that it's hard for them to sit still for a long period of time. And I think as parents, we kind of have this like Norman Rockwell vision of what reading with our kids should look like. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to be in the comfy armchair and everyone's going to be gathered around my feet, wrapped with attention, you know. And I mean, that's just not the reality for a lot of kids. Actually, on Instagram, maybe six months ago, I did a little time-lapse video of me reading aloud to my girls at night. So, of course, you couldn't hear anything. There's no audio. But you can see that they are just moving all around. You know, like one of them comes and brushes my hair for a minute. And then then they go and they get a pencil and they're drawing something. And then they're kind of fiddling with a blanket. And they're just kind of all moving all the time. And I got so many messages from parents who were like, this was so helpful for me to see I was putting unrealistic expectations on my child mm. to just sit really still for 30 minutes mm. and listen. And so I think if you'll give your kids something to do while they read, I, I, a lot of parents feel like, oh, I don't even know if my kid's listening, if they're coloring or playing with Legos. But most kids and actually most adults can pay better attention you know, their brain can focus if they're not trying to focus on keeping their body still. If they're doing something with their hands, their brain is actually more focused and can pay attention better. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I try to think all the time of like, what are things that my kids could be doing while I read to them? So we have a lot of coloring, we have a lot of nail painting, we have a lot of Lego or magnetile building or um, dressing dolls or, you know, whatever that is for your kid that's interesting to them, playing with Play-Doh they're able to listen and retain a lot more when they're moving. And then as a parent, it's less stressful when you can just focus on reading and not trying to control the environment so much. Mm, and control them so much. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes. And I feel like you think I would have known this as an educator, <laughs> but I didn't really. And now looking back, I think of how often I was annoyed when kids were doodling while I was teaching or I tell them eyes on me, put down your pencils. And I should have just let them do that. <laughs> and I feel like the first time that I really learned this was I heard an episode about it on the Read Aloud Revival podcast with 
Sarah McKenzie. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Because I was going to talk about that episode. Yes. And she, I think if I recall correctly, she said that she even has like a basket of activities specifically for reading time. So her kids look forward to it. So she'll be like, it's reading time. And they go and put a blanket out on the lawn and they bring the basket and her kids all choose something that they're going to do, whether it's like wiki sticks or drawing or whatever. And then she reads to them. So it's like, they just love that time. Talk about like creating a positive association with reading with your kids. Yes. And I've noticed even the same thing as an adult, like the audiobooks that I remember most clearly are when I was doing something. You know, I can remember exactly where I was walking or running in my neighborhood. Oh yeah. During oh, yeah. a you know, high moment of action in a book or something that I was cooking because, you know, I was so focused on that audiobook because my body had something to do. Yes. I remember listening to the end of A Thousand Splendid Sons in the grocery store, and I am not a crier. Just walking down the aisles with tears like flowing down my face. And I'm like, everyone thinks I am a psycho right now. But like the place, the environment has stayed in my memory associated with that book. Yes, absolutely. And it, you know, it wasn't like you couldn't listen because you were also grabbing eggs or milk or cheese or whatever. Yes. And I think so many parents have some baggage of unpleasant reading experiences with their kids because they're trying for they're trying for an ideal that really is not realistic for most kids. And so they feel frustrated. And so then they're like, can you just sit still? Can you just be quiet? And so then their kids like, well, I don't want to read with you. Every time we read, you're mean, you yell at me, you know? And I mean, which, Mm, you know, I I have been there where you just feel like no one's listening, no one's paying attention. And I think if you can just kind of let go of that ideal of what it's going to look like and say like, my job is to read the book and create the environment, their job is to listen and to, you know, play with what they're going to play with and not expect them to just sit completely still. Yeah. And even if they're not perfectly listening, they're getting a positive association with reading time and with their relationship with the parent that's reading to them instead of it being this stressful force thing. Because I do think maybe some kids have different. Noah is so locked in that even when he's playing Legos, I can say, what did I just say? And he'll like tell me word for word the last two sentences that I read. Whereas Sally's a little more distractible. And sometimes I think she misses stuff when she's playing. But that's okay because we're just building this love of learning in as we're as I'm reading to her. Yes. And I think that's such a great point is, you know, when you're reading with your kids, there's no quiz at the end. There's no book report. There's no, you know, test. My goal is to create a positive, like you say, association with reading. Mm. So if they miss a little bit of the plot here and there or, you know, a little dialogue, no one's going to die. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jansen, this has been so, so helpful. And I want listeners to know where they can find you and find some of the resources that you've created specifically for parents. I mean, you have a blog with years and years of content and resources. So where would you tell people to start if they'd like more of your work? So I would start either with those 100 picture book lists. And if you just Google everyday reading 100 picture books lists, Mm -hmm. they'll all pop right up. So those are easy to find. And then I also have a couple of book lists that are super popular 
One of them is read alouds for preschoolers and kindergarten. So if you have a kid in about that three to six year old range, there's 30 suggestions on there for read aloud books. So they aren't super long. Many of them still have some illustrations in them that are really good if you're kind of getting ready to make that transition into chapter books. And also, I just have to put a little plug here is that, you know, just because you're starting to get into chapter books doesn't mean you should be done with picture books. Picture books are so valuable. They have often much higher vocabulary Mm. level because they're intended to be read by an adult generally to a child rather than a child reading on their own. So, you know, I think Mm. there's sometimes just this rush to get out of picture books that there's so much value in picture books. It's so great for kids to learn how to put together that visual and text together. I mean, just a lot of skills with picture books. So, you know, don't don't be too fast to jump out of picture Mm -hmm. books. Anyway, so that read aloud list for preschoolers and kindergartners. And then also I have a list of books like Mercy Watson and The Princess in Black, uh, which is a really popular list because those are books that are less than 100 pages, but have chapters and they're Mm. um, more text heavy than say a picture book, but they still have full color illustrations in there. So that's, you know, if you have that child that's starting to read um, independently, but still needs a lot of illustrations to kind of help them along Mm. and the visual stimulation of a full color illustration, that's a really helpful list also. Great. And I will link all of those in the show notes so moms can find those resources. And Jansen, thank you so much for coming on 3 and 30. Oh, thanks for having me. This was so fun. That was so fun for me to get to geek out a little bit about books and reading. There's nothing like talking with a fellow book lover. And I hope these tips will help you to help your children to enjoy reading more. By way of recap, here are Jansen's three takeaways. First, pick books that are fun for you to read with your kids. If you enjoy the books, you'll make more time for family reading, and that will be a better experience for everyone. When your children have a positive association with reading, they'll be much more likely to enjoy reading long-term. So show them that you enjoy reading by picking books that you actually want to read to them. Second, don't be afraid to let your child quit a book. Some books just aren't the right fit or your child might be the wrong age. Let them keep trying different genres until they find something that really clicks and ask for advice from a librarian or seek out book lists that might help. Third, and finally, let your kids move while you read to them. Believe it or not, research actually shows that many children learn better this way. Their mind can focus when their hands are occupied, so let them walk around or play with Legos or color while you read. You'll be amazed at what a difference it makes and how much less stressful it is for all of you. Before we end, I also want to remind you about Jansen's fabulous online reading program, Savvy Reading. Almost nothing will spur your child's love of reading more than if they feel confident reading. I've seen this with my daughter, Sally, who used to be resistant to reading alone, but now begs to go to the library because she feels good about her reading and therefore wants to do it more. You can use the code 3in30 to get $25 off per month with Savvy Reading, and I'll put the link to their website in the show notes. Thank you, my friends, for being here and for listening to the show. I love you. I'm rooting for you. And I hope you have a great week with your family.